Hi, and welcome to Master's Choice Podcast number five. Uh, today in studio, we have Kevin Kuhn, the CEO of Master's Choice, and we have John Nadler from Greenleaf and Syngenta. Well, today, we talked about non-GMO traits, the traits that we offer. Also, we talked about seed treatments and seed care. We also talked about plant diseases. John spoke about the new things coming through Syngenta and the new trade platforms that they are dealing with. We hope that you find this informative and enjoyable. Thanks for joining us. We want to welcome you today to uh, MC Podcast Episode 5. We're glad that you joined us. We hope your day is going well. Today in the studio, we have with us the CEO of Master's Choice, Kevin Kuhn. So, Kevin, welcome. Glad that you're here. Good morning. Glad to be here. Good deal. Hey, Kevin, um, I don't know what this says about me. I I am the uh, Director of uh, Research and Development. You are the CEO, and we started pretty close together. I think you started in April of that year. I started in August, and somehow you started off at sales, and you got to be CEO, and I got stuck doing nutrition. I'm not sure um, what that means about me or you. Yeah, but you, you got to look at where you started. So, so when you started at Master Choice, what were you doing? So I was doing uh, some shipping. And, uh, and answering the phone and basically whatever no one else wanted to do. Exactly. So, you know, so, so big improvement. So big improvement. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. No, I tell you what, uh, really couldn't uh, design a, a better guy to work for and to, uh, and to work with. Uh, absolutely. We, we kind of got to know each other through traveling together and, uh, and being in the truck for many miles and many hours. And, uh, and so one of the things that, that we really like to do, and, and I, would, I would say that we're probably in a class of our own here at Master's Choice, uh, and, uh, and, and we are, I, I would say, bona fide food snobs. Would you, would you agree? Basically, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you know, um, you know, from traveling, uh, having the opportunity to, to eat at some really unique places uh, gives us gives us a lot of uh, a lot of cool opportunities. Um, and and my favorite thing to do when I'm not on the road is kind of bring some of that home and then figure out what I can what I can do in the kitchen or on the grill and and try to recreate some of that stuff when I'm around the house. Absolutely, and and I think that you and I together have probably done a, a pretty good job of bringing the level of food snobbery up in the whole office around here. We, we've introduced them to, to, to good food. We have. We've brought, I think we've brought some culture to Master's Choice. Uh, absolutely, some culture. Uh, absolutely. We, we, we have brought smoked meats, okay? Smoked smoke meats, uh, Texas-style beans, right? Correct. Uh, we, we've, even, we've even greens. You know, you, you're from Arkansas. I'm from Texas. Usually that, that means that we don't get along. But being that we're in a foreign country now <laughs> <laughs> of Illinois, you know, there's, there's that camaraderie there. Yeah, so we're you know we're we're a little north of the Mason Dixon line, so we kind of get to bring some of that southern influence up. And one of the fun things we've been doing around the office, we've actually been having some uh, some meetings where we bring in sales and marketing with uh, research and development, roll out new data, any kind of new projects we got coming along. And one of the things we've paired with that is we've been cooking lunch for everybody. And you know it started out it was just uh, just sales and marketing and research and development, and now accounting's trickling their way in. Everybody around the office. They, uh, they, they start showing up whenever lunch is ready. Absolutely, and start talking about it as soon as we start cooking it, and, and uh, no doubt. Hey, um, so, so you, you kind of mentioned here a little bit, you know, being part of the R&D meetings. Even, even though your title is CEO, you are, you are heavily involved in the R&D. Kind of explain that for us a little bit. Right, so, so I've been, uh, been serving as a CEO of Master's Choice since uh, December of 
gosh, 2015. My, my, uh, my timeline kind of running up on me here, but uh, prior to that, I was doing all my work in research and development, um, and I'm still heavily involved there. So do a lot of work in the, uh, especially with genetics. So Kyle Vosberg and uh, Cullen Johnson and Michael Lake and I work really close together on the genetic side. We pair a lot of that work with what you're doing on the nutrition side. Um, and, you know, so, so it's given me an opportunity to, to basically to step into the role of CEO with, um, you know, and, and I, I spent some time in sales, but, but really I, I think uh, research development was where I really found my passion Absolutely. and, and Absolutely. I really love the genetic side of the business that we get to work in and some of the unique things that we're able to bring to the marketplace. Um, and, you know, so, so as long as they'll let me, I'm going to keep spending time in, in research development because I, I really love it. Um, but, you know, uh, I also get the opportunity to work with all asp aspects of the business while I'm here. Absolutely. Good. Good. So uh, last uh, episode, we had uh, Scott in. And, um, and you know, we, we do want to apologize to you listeners who had to en endure, endure Scott being here. They had an entire podcast with Scott? Yeah. Yeah. I mean... So we were struggling that day for 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 a co-host, right? You, you got to work with what you got. You got to work with what you got, and um, and so we we talked about kind of the non-GMO movement, and and with your uh, understanding and background and research development and and how you deal with the genetics, um, kind of explain for, first of all, is there a difference between um, is is there a reason why we use the word non-GMO? Is there a problem with us using the word non-GMO? And and just kind of start off there, and we'll, we'll kind of go from from there with some things. Sure. So so non-GMO is is really a big buzzword in the industry right now, um, and and the unique thing is that um, the industry is really adjusting to this um, as this comes to the market. Um, everybody's trying to figure out what what really is non-GMO, especially when we're talking about seed corn. So seed corn is, is kind of a unique product in that, um, you know, it is, it is pollinated by neighboring corn plants. Um, and when we're looking at, uh, at the majority of the corn grown in the United States carrying some kind of a GMO trait, producing, uh, producing corn that has no traces of, of GMO pollen uh, is really difficult. Um, and, you know, so at, at Master's Choice, we've been, we've been working, you know, since I've been here, we've been working with uh, a lot of conventional genetics uh, that have allowed us to bring some really, uh, really high-end performing varieties uh, to the marketplace, uh, just strictly as conventional. So no, no GMO traits on those, um, you know, but, but we, do, we do also offer GMOs for some of those larger farms that, that feel like they need it for their, their particular growing situations. So what would you say, what would you say Master's Choice philosophy stance i mean where where do we how, how do we try to define ourselves in this uh idea of organic farming non-gmo gmo traits where, where do we where do we kind of stand in that so our, our goal really is to offer a a an ideal product for every livestock producer whether they're growing organic corn conventional corn or traded corn and you know the, the stance on the, the GMO traits really is that it's, you know, that we've always used the term, it's a tool for the toolbox. Um, you know, so if, you know, if, if on my acres, I feel like that there's no way I can stay ahead of the weeds without the help of glyphosate in my rotation, or if, if I'm forced to do corn on corn many, many years in a row, and I really need that Duracade or that, that uh, 3000 GT trait there to protect me against rootworm, you know, then, then we want to have products that, that fit the mold. Now, um, 
to go along with that, if, if you are in a situation and as a grower and you don't need the GMO traits, you know, then we got great conventionals for you. So, you know, so you don't have to spend your money on the traits. Spend your money elsewhere uh, on the farm. And, and we want to more grow, seed. Spend your money on more seed. More seed. That's great. That's a great <laughs> idea. <laughs> you know, so we want to we want to basically we want uh, we want the ideal products for the livestock producers, regardless of what their management system looks like. Absolutely. So we we carry uh, organic corn, organically produced corn uh, for the organic guys. Uh, non-GMO, a, a great lineup of, of non-GMO, and, and we carry GMO traits. What are what are the traits right now that that we uh, that we have available? So we are utilizing the Syngenta platform for traits. Okay. Uh, we have a, a full lineup there. We start out all the way down at the base at at AgriSure GT. Now AgriSure GT is just a product that simply has a herbicide tolerance trait in there, so you can spray spray a glyphosate product over the corn. Um, then from there, it kind of progresses up into, uh, into traits that also feature, um, insect resistance. Um, you know, so we, uh, we start out at GT, we move up, then we've got the 3000 GT. Now 3000 GT will combine the AgriSure rootworm trait. Uh, it will uh, also add in the AgriSure corn borer. Um, and it will have the uh, GT and the Liberty Link. Uh, so okay. with that one, you actually get, uh, not only you get the insects, but you get dual her uh, herbicide traits there. Um, you know, and, and, and they kind of progress up from there. So Viptera is one of the, one of the newer, uh, newer traits from Syngenta. And basically it takes, uh, it takes all of those traits in the 3000 GT and it stacks that Viptera trait above it. Um, and that, that's, that's an above ground trait that gives you excellent control uh, on all your above ground pests. You know, everything from corn, corn borer to corn earworm and, and that's expressed in the plant, it's expressed in the kernels, the silks. So anywhere that those insects feed above ground, uh, we, we get protection there. Okay, okay. And, and then do we offer some Duracade? Uh, we, that. we are featuring some Duracade now. Uh, we have one 90-day product, our MC40, MCT4058 uh, is our, uh, our first Duracade we brought to market. Um, and actually, uh, you know, we, we've had really, uh, really good response from a customer base uh, for that. And, uh, you know, so for the guys that are, that are doing corn on corn, it's been a, a great fit. And, you know, they're, you know the, the truth of it is there is no better rootworm product than what we get out of Duracade. Um, you know, and if you if you've been kind of keeping up with what's been going on in the news out there, there's been a lot of talk about resistance to some of the older rootworm yeah, traits. Yeah. Um, and Syngenta's done a great job of this Duracade product. Uh, it's a product that's more effective than than any other rootworm trait out there. Um, and because of the management of it, uh, you know, we we should see effectiveness for many many years to come out of that product. Absolutely. So with with the Duracade though, there is some extra stewardship, correct? Correct. Now it is it is a unique product, and because of the fact that uh, Duracade is not approved uh, for uh, markets in China yet, um, it is it is basically still uh, still managed almost like a regulated product. Uh, so so basically, it, you know. Um, it can't get out into the into the the grain channel. So so for for our guys, it works really well because they're going to be feeding on farm. Correct. I mean, since we're dealing with livestock producers and 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 they're they're growing uh, feed to to feed, you know, they're they're growing corn to feed. Then feeding it on farm is 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 where they really want that product and, and has really been been a been a been beneficial. Woo been beneficial. I guess it was having lunch with Pancho Villa that made me stutter <laughs> like that. And, um, but, uh, 
so so we we have those now. There, there are some there are some new kind of um, I guess stacking going on with some of these traits, and, and some of them have some of the above ground stuff that don't have the below ground. Am, am I understanding this correct? That's correct, uh, and that's something that that's something that we've been using more of in our our lineup at Master's Choice. Um, you know the. The part of the country that's really dealing with, with rootworm problems is, is somewhat isolated, but everyone deals with the above-ground pests. Yeah. And so we wanted to offer products that were uh, basically fit everyone's, uh, everyone's system. Um, so I can offer a VIP 3110, which gives me that Viptera uh, above ground. It gives me the corn borer above ground, but it does not have the rootworm. So if I'm a grower and I'm an area and, and I know that I've, you know, I've got good rotations and you know, I, I have no issues with, uh, with corn rootworm, uh, but every year I'm, I'm concerned about corn borer or, uh, or earworm or fall armyworm, then I can use that VIP 3110 product for that. Yeah, and and is there is there a break in price usually for those kind of things? I mean, are we what are we what other than not having that trade in there for the guy who doesn't need it? Is there is there a benefit for him? Right, right. Those uh, those traits uh, that don't feature the rootworm are typically a little bit a little bit more affordable, so a guy can get a little bit of price break on his seed cost. And and with those, does he still get the glyphosate tolerant and the Liberty Link? Correct. You'll still have you'll still have both of your uh, herbicide uh, traits there with that product. So. Kind of to, to jump off here for a second. Um, one of the big issues that we have been hearing and, and seeing is um, is this idea of resistant weeds. So having a dual herbicide uh, trait in in a corn is, is beneficial for that. Sure, um, it gives you it gives you great options. Um, you know, so I can I can take glyphosate out of my rotation for a year, and I can I can spray uh, glufosinate or Liberty Link. Um, you know, and, and what we're seeing is that most guys um, are using a number of conventional corn herbicides as well. Um, you know, even if I'm using glyphosate in my rotation, typically I'm, you know, I'm using some other residual products that uh, typically are approved for conventional corn. Um, and a lot of the growers really um, are, are using uh, GT corn, but maybe not even using glyphosate in their rotation. It's just there for an insurance policy. So that if I'm late with an application and, you know, it gets wet, I can't get in and the weeds get ahead of me, I can get a little more punch if I add glyphosate in, you know, so, okay. so it's, a, it's a good management tool, um, you know, so it gives you a lot of flexibility on your, uh, on your, your program. Yes. And, and, and most of the hybrids that are in our lineup have, we we have them almost all the way through, and especially some of our cornerstone hybrids, those hybrids that, that we've identified as really good feeding hybrids, those hybrids that are really rugged in their agronomics. We, we've got those generally from organic all the way up through the highest trait that we can that we can offer in those, right? Right, and that's that's been our goal. If we can identify genetics that really are performing well, um, you know, we want to be able to offer that to everybody, whether they're growing organics, conventionals, or or traits. You know, so you'll see a number of those in the lineup that are going to have going to have multiple options on their availabilities. Yeah, absolutely. And and like you said, I mean, it's all about providing the best product for that farm that we can. Right. And 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 especially in that arena of livestock feed and being able to identify those genetics that are good livestock feed, and then using the Syngenta plat the trait platform to be able to do that. So, um, <clears throat> so what do you do? So this is kind of a, kind of one of those off the cuff kind of questions. So how do you, if you were to encounter, uh, one of the staunch, we'll just call them a staunch organic farmer. And how, how would you explain, okay, 
we 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 have we have organic corn, but we also have traded corn. How how would you explain to him that that we're 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 not selling out to the big guys, or you know we're not the villain? How, how would you how would you just approach that subject? Sure. So um, you know it's it's easy to see that you know we're utilizing the Syngenta products, whether it's the seed care or the or the traits, and we're doing that because we feel like those are the very best uh, traits and treatments on the marketplace. Absolutely. Um, but we're doing that. Uh, in a way that allows us to maintain our independence. So at Master's Choice, we are an independently owned seed corn company, and that allows us to make our own decisions. We're not answering to a, a big corporate board. Um, you know, we, we're able to basically make adjustments pretty quickly. Um, and, and in doing that, we feel like that there's an opportunity for us to offer great products to organic guys. But in doing that, there are also a lot of very large farms uh, that need the same same quality genetics, and most of those farms are not not on organic systems. They're they're on traits, you know. So, um, you know, really the the key for us is just maintaining our independence. We're not we're not controlled by Syngenta. Um, you know, we make our own decisions. Um, we just are able to incorporate their traits into our genetics. That's something that's really unique in the industry. That uh, you know that that no one else no one else will give us the opportunity to do. So it allows us to work with an independent genetic base um, and really develop the best products for the farm. Absolutely, absolutely. So you you touched on this in in your in in your talk there, in the fact that so we're we're utilizing Syngenta's. Uh, traits, their trait platform, but also seed care. How, how how important is seed care? And when you talk about seed care, what are you really saying? So a common misconception with seed care is that when you open up a bag of seed corn and you see seed corn that's red, green, uh, blue, something other than yellow corn, that it's all the same. And, and there is a lot of difference in seed care products out there. Uh, the Syngenta Seed Care um, is basically has more research and development behind it than any other products um, you know, and, and they work very closely with, with our staff at the plant to make sure that the formulations are, are correct. Um, you know, and, and just performance wise there, you know, there is nothing that compares to this Syngenta Sea Care platform. Um, there are a lot of products out there that are generic products. Um, and when you look at those generic products, uh, there is no standard for how that stuff gets mixed and how that chemistry works together. You know, so so there is a lot of variability on on seed care performance in the industry, and and we get we get really consistent performance out of our Syngenta so, seed care. So seed care is really kind of translated seed treatment. Correct. Right. Right. And and those are those are seed treatments, and they give us protection from uh, soil borne pathogens. So if if I run out here and I I plant early, and all of a sudden it turns off cold and wet. Uh, that seedling is is going to be under a lot of stress. So anything that I can do to protect that from pathogens, from insects, um, any anything that I can do to to basically to give that that plant a boost uh, is going to give me a better chance of getting a good crop because you know we know how critical that early growth stage is. First of all, if it dies and doesn't come up, I got nothing. Yeah. Absolutely. Second of all, if it if it comes up and stalls out, I'm sacrificing yield uh, because. You know, so much of our yield is determined prior to that V4 stage and getting a good seed care, a good seed coating on it uh, really gets it off to a good start. So, so how does the, how does the seed coating, how does the seed care, I, I put it in the ground and, and so then the plant begins to grow. How, how is that seed care still affecting how that, how that plant is performing? So seed treatments work a, a couple different ways. Basically as, uh, as the, uh, as you get moisture, 
Um, those those uh, chemicals will basically spread around the root zone and give some protection around the root zone. You also get some translocation into the plant yeah. uh, that you will get some protection there. Um, and, and something that we started featuring last year that's been a, a big addition to our, our program is our MicroMaster uh, organic seed coating. Yeah. And that is, uh, that's a hemic acid-based product that, uh, that we've been utilizing on certified organics. And, you know, for a long time, we really have, we've, we've searched for something that is um, effective and is certified organic and is also safe on the seed. You know, so it's not a product that, uh, that I've got to worry about putting on seed and it's going to damage the, the seed if it sits in a warehouse. Right. Um, you know, and, and that MicroMaster product has, has done that for us. So, but there are, a lot of, uh, there are a lot of good products out there that are more biological in nature that will, if, if I put it on the seed... And, and I don't plant it this year, then it will literally eat the seed, correct? Right. Yeah. There's a, there's a chance if I put living organisms or some kind of a, a microbe on the seed that if I, uh, if I don't plant it, it sets in my, my shop. I may go out there, you know, in 12 months and I may, I may be on my way to cornmeal instead of, uh, instead of corn seed. Yeah. And so, but with MicroMaster, it, it, it doesn't do that. MicroMaster is perfectly safe. No living organisms in it. Um, you know, it, it is just a humic acid-based product that, that really has given us very good emergence and very good vigor. Uh, we noticed right away when we started testing this product that we saw dramatic results in our, uh, our cold germ scores. We started sending this stuff to the lab, um, you know, and so, so that, that has been a, a huge addition for our, our organic lineup. Any, anything we can do, you know, it, it, it always made me a nervous wreck to put yellow corn in the ground. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, any, anything that we can do for, for seed coating, whether it's a Syngenta seed care product or a certified organic MicroMaster, anything we can do to protect that seedling is a, is a big step. So what, what, um, what is our typical uh, seed coating going to look like, our or seed treatment, uh, seed protection. What what are we what are we offering these days? So the standard standard seed treatment for us, typically when we say seed treatment, it's going to be Cruiser two hundred and fifty plus Vibrance, and that that seed treatment does uh, does a number of things. So we have a uh, we have a basically a fungicide package there, um, and we have an insecticide in the Cruiser. Uh, the Vibrance is also an uh, an additional. Uh, fungicide that we've been putting on putting on the seed that helps uh, protect against the rhizoctonia okay okay good so what are what are some of the biggest misconceptions about seed treatment and seed care these days that you see um probably the biggest misconception is just the the that the quality of products that that all red seed is the same and all green seed is the same and, and is that's not the case um you know, there, there is a, there's a big difference in, in product quality out there. Um, you know, and, and like I, like I alluded to before, you know, no one, no one has done the amount of R and D research on seed care products that Sagena has done. Um, you know, and, and really their, their products are second to none for quality. So here, here's kind of a, a silly question. Why, why is there red? Why is there blue? Why is there green? I mean, is that different chemicals that are, that, I mean, so why, why do we have different seed colors? Basically, our guys at the plant can make uh, Cruiser 250 Vibrance corn, and they can make it just about any color you want. Okay. Uh, so all you're seeing there is a dye, okay. uh, and that dye just allows us to basically to see it and see how much is on the seed. So it's it's a visual. So if you open a bag of corn and it's you know and it doesn't have some kind of dye on it, you're not going to know if your seed's treated or not. So so that dye that's on there is just basically a marker so that we know it's treated. So so I could I, what you're saying is I could go down to the plant. And I could I could make different colors, right? 
Well, in theory, yes, you, you could. Uh, yeah. we're, we're not going to allow you to do that. That's kind of disappointing because I would do pretty colors. You don't like the reds and the greens? I would do flowery. <laughs> <laughs> that would be very fitting. It would be. It would absolutely. absolutely. I, would, I would take my favorite shirt down and say, guys, can you make it look like this? <laughs> <laughs> no doubt. No doubt. Um, so I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump off in something a little controversial here as we talk about, about seed treatments because there's a lot of, um, and I don't noise, not noise in a negative way, but a lot of talk about the, the neonicotoids and their effect on, on, on insects and especially the honeybee population. Where, where, where do you see this thing kind of falling out? What have you seen? Um, you know, where, where do we stand as, as a company? What do we say? And, and so just, just go from there. Sure, that's, that's been a, a really hot topic here over the last few years. And, um, you know, it, it's, it's really something that's still continually being researched. Um, you know, I had an opportunity uh, about two weeks ago. I, I toured the Stanton, Minnesota facility, the Syngenta Sea Care facility. And one of the things that, that was really interesting that I took away there, you know, um, the a lot of the fear with the neonics is that that stuff is dusting off the seed and coming out of the planters. And basically that dust is what's what's affecting some of the pollinators. And one of the things that that we talked about in that tour is the fact that there is little to no dust that actually is coming off of these planters. And Syngenta has got some, some great data, some independent research that's been done, uh, that very little of that dust actually escapes from the planters where it, where it would have the potential to affect pollinators. Um, you know, and, and really in the, in the industry, there just aren't any other good options for insecticides. Uh, neonics are really the only the only products that are both uh, affordable for growers and give us good broad spectrum coverage. Now there are some products out there that have been developed um, that that work really well on one or two pests, but we don't get that good broad spectrum coverage that we do out of out of neonics. Um, we've been we've been working with our some of our growers in Ontario, um, and. Basically, we've been utilizing a, a different mix up there. So uh, where they're not allowed to use Cruiser, uh, we use a Lors ban uh, in, insecticide in our, in our seed treatment up there. So we put it in with a, with a fungicide, and then we basically spike that with the MicroMaster uh, to, to give a, a seedling boost to help it grow through some stresses. Yeah, because not only do we need to make sure that we are dealing with the insect, but if we can give that plant the best start, that it can, we can kind of combat that uh, with two different modes of action. Is the catchphrase, or two different, two different ways that, that we can get there. Uh, and I know that I know that in that in Ontario they've they've passed some legislation where uh, neonics are, are basically outlawed uh, for now, and uh, and so that that is that has kind of become um, a, a little bit of a situation where we had to come up with something. Okay, what can we mix together? To help those guys to to get them to get them a good product so that they could have some of that seed protection there. So you you're talking and saying you know not not everything is created equal. Not not all seed treatments are the same. Can we can we do different rates? Is there a benefit to different rates? You, you're talking about spiking with with MicroMaster. Is there any benefit? I mean, how do we see that? Sure. So when we're looking at at seed treatment rates, uh, you know, we have the ability to kind of uh, do some different things. So we can do a, a 250 rate, a 500 rate, a 1250 rate, and basically 
all that amounts to is more chemical. That the higher the number, the more the more chemical is on the seed. Um, you know, and from my personal experience, um, I haven't seen a lot of benefit uh, once we get over that that 250 threshold. Um, the you know the the 1250 especially. Um, you know, that, that creates kind of some difficulty for our guys. They, we have to send it off to a different facility to have that, that 1250 coating put on right. uh, to get that, that done properly. Um, you know, and um, I, just, I just haven't seen much benefit uh, on those, those higher rates. We seem to get the same, uh, the same effectiveness out of 250 that we see out of 500 and 1250. So, so what is at least the theoretical or perceived benefit from like 1250? So the perceived benefit is that uh, we can get more coverage and longer residual if there's more chemical there. And, you know, in, in the past, we have seen growers that have tried to use higher rates if they knew they were going to have corn rootworm pressure or, uh, you know, they knew they were going to have some serious insect pressure. Um, and, and in reality, corn rootworm especially, um, the seed care does help, but it's not a really great uh, control tool. Uh, you're much better off with a, with a uh, trait product, either a rootworm trait or, uh, you know, a, like a Duracade trait. Uh, really, for for that type of control, even even a granular insecticide, I think, is a better option than a than a twelve fifty seed coating. That makes sense. Makes sense. Um, so, uh, just to kind of wrap up the uh, the seed treatment section here for us, Kevin, um, guy's going to get a bag of Master's Choice, going to open it up, and it's typically going to be what color? Uh, could be red or it could be green. Uh, just depends on what dye happens to be in the system on the day the seeds ran. Okay, so so could be red, could be green, and it just and and really I guess that would fall on Michael down at the plant, and and he and he's a fickle beast. Yeah, it just depends on what kind of mood he's in. He just, if he's in a green mood or a red mood. So, <laughs> but but typically if it's green or red, it's going to be the same. Now we we do have um, seed treatment can can sometimes now what if I open a bag and it's different colors. What, so, what would that typically mean? Right. So if you see uh, if you see two different colors, typically you're, what you're looking at is an easy refuge product. Okay. And the way that works, if I take a, an insect traded corn, so maybe it's a Viptera 3111. So it's got above ground traits and it's got rootworm. Um, and you know if if I'm just planting Vip 3111, um, if if I'm anywhere other than cotton growing counties, I've got to plant 20% refuge. But uh, what Syngenta does is basically they create, have created trait platform that allows us to integrate uh, the refuge in, into that bag of seed. Um, and that takes that refuge from 20% uh, down to either 5 or 10%, depending on which, which trait you're looking at. Um, you know, so when, when you see that, uh, when you open that bag up and you see, you know, so your, your bag may be mostly green and you see a few red kernels, yeah. those red kernels are your refuge corn. Okay. So that doesn't have insect traits. Okay. Uh, and right. so that, that's why you see two different seed colors. And, and if, I, uh, if I get in my bag and I open it up and it looks like poop brown, I that, mean, what, what is that? That's probably MicroMaster. <laughs> it's, it's kind of a brownish black, uh, yep. and, and you'll still see some yellow, yellow underneath there, but right. it, it's uh, you know, a totally different base product, so it's not going to look like Cruiser does when it comes on the seed. But, yeah, it's, it's going to be kind of a brownish black color. Kind of look like dirty seed is what it really yeah, it's, look like. Yeah, it looks like we rolled it around in the floor, but I promise we didn't. No, I, and, and I promise it works a whole lot better than if we rolled it around in the floor. Yes. For sure. <laughs> yes. No, no doubt. No doubt. Good. So, um, you know, we've been talking about traits. Um, we've been talking about seed treatments. And all of these things as protection against um, against um, certain pathogens, protection against certain insects, you know, her herbicide tolerance. 
What what about just some good old fashioned leaf disease? I mean, is what what is is there is there any trait or treatment or anything for just good old fashioned blighty diseases? So when we're talking about um, when we're talking about leaf diseases, um, you know, really uh, there there's not a there's not a trait or a treatment out there that does a whole lot for us. Basically, the um, what we need to do if we're, if we're concerned about a specific leaf disease is look at management uh, from genetic selection is probably the biggest tool. Um, and then secondary to that is going to be residue management. So the majority of the leaf diseases out there basically overwinter uh, in, in residue in the fields. You know, so if, if, if I can uh, break up rotation, so if I'm corn on corn on corn, um, I'm going to have a lot of residue in the field. And if I can if I can break that rotation and bring soybeans or, you know, if I'm a dairy grower and I can bring alfalfa in for, you know, three to five years, I can really break that residue up so that it, there's, there's no place for that disease to overwinter. Uh, we also see a lot of insects overwinter yeah. in that residue as well. Uh, you know, so, so a warm winter like that we've had, we've had this year, in fact, Southern Illinois, we usually get you know six eight inches of snow in a couple of different events, and I mean we haven't had any to speak of this year. Been really warm. We had some seventy degree weather in February. Is that going to increase the uh, possibility or the occurrences of leaf disease? You know, I I, I hear I kind of hear differing opinions on some of that. Um, you know, the warmer the warmer winter definitely helps some of the insects and diseases. Uh, to overwinter a little easier. Uh, we're going to have uh, our friend John Nadler is going to uh, join us here shortly uh, and visit with us with some of the things coming on the Syngenta platform. And I, that's one of those things I'd kind of like to pick his brain about a little bit. Definitely. Um, but yeah, I, you know, I, I think there's a, a higher likelihood of seeing things overwinter on on these winters where we, we don't see a, a big hard freeze. We don't see the snowfall and things like that. Yeah. Um, so last year, uh, we saw some leaf disease issues. Uh, southern rust kind of moved further up than, than it's not as, well, I mean, you and I talked about the Mason-Dixon line earlier. I mean, it, it kind of, it kind of moved way past that Mason-Dixon line this year, so to speak, and, and moved on up. Uh, is that going to be typical? It, it was that something that just was environmental climate? So that's, uh, you know, that, that's been really a, really a big buzz that, uh, Southern rust really over the last couple of years has spread much further North. That, that's something that, uh, you know, when I was working in sales, I worked with some farms in, uh, in Florida and Georgia, was something they commonly would see come off the Gulf of Mexico. Um, and, you know, once we got north of probably, say, Tennessee and Kentucky, we didn't really see much of it. Well, then all of a sudden it was in southern Illinois. Now it's in central Illinois and in a lot of parts of the Midwest. Um, and that's, that's kind of come on as a combination of, of some mild winters. Um, and really, you know, a, a, one of the biggest things that affects this is what's the weather going to be like during the summer. So yeah. we've seen a lot of, uh, a lot of w really moist, wet winters, um, and that has compounded the uh, southern rust. It's also compounded northern corn leaf blight, gray leaf spot. All of those things thrive when we see a lot of, a, a lot of summer moisture. So, so we've kind of been talking about these more of these types of uh, funguses and stuff, but what about bacterial kinds of things? What, what about those kinds of diseases? Yeah, and uh, you know, that, that's been, been uh, talked about a lot here lately because uh, there were some reports come out that came out last fall about a, a, new, a new disease called bacterial leaf streak. Um, and that thing 
popped up uh, and basically has shown up in, I think, nine different states. Um, and, and it's not really isolated. So states in the Midwest, some out as far west as Colorado, Texas, Oklahoma. And, uh, you know, so there's a, a lot we don't know about it just yet. Uh, we're really not sure exactly how it's going to affect yields. doesn't appear that it's going to be um, a huge impact to this point. Um, you know, it, it, uh, it, it's basically its origin looks like it was, uh, it, it was probably uh, from Africa. Not really sure how it made its way here. Um, but, uh, you know, that's, that's going to be an interesting one to watch. Do we know anything about how it's affecting quality of feed? I mean, is this something that's coming in late or is it something that's coming in early? So far, it looks like it's affecting the, the products a little later. Um, okay. You know, and, and we get a lot of questions, and, and you can probably speak to this better than anybody, about leaf disease and how it affects feeding quality. And that, that's right. really the biggest reason for us to really can be concerned about something like this. You, you're, yeah, you're exactly right. You know, because, uh, you know, take let's take northern corn leaf blight, for example. Northern corn leaf blight... Uh, as far as uh, dry matter silage yield, really doesn't negatively affect a, a, a dry matter silage yield, okay? It's, um, it, 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 it'll, it'll kill the plant a little faster, and that's the issue that we have with, um, with the quality. So we begin to negatively affect quality when we begin to negatively affect the plant's ability to photosynthesize sugars. And when we have that problem, our fiber digestibility goes down, our feed quality goes down, our plant sugars go down, there's not as much energy in there. And so for us, a, a leaf blight issue um, is, is a big issue for quality, not necessarily for yield. Now, for a grain guy, it could be, a, it could be an issue for going down, for, for premature death, for that, that plant not being able to stand long enough for him to harvest it. But for a silage issue, it really doesn't affect yield uh, too much, but it does negatively affect the quality of it. And so, you know, there, we have certain varieties that seem to be a little bit more susceptible, and every company has varieties that'll be a little bit more susceptible to certain leaf blights. And so our, our stance is spray some fungicide on it. And we have, we have a, a variety that, that you and I know very well, excellent feed quality but if it looks like it may get uh some kind of leaf blight spray it with fungicide you know two days ago and and not wait on that and we really seem to see some good improvements on those things sure and you know and, and we saw uh, the last two to three years have been major leaf disease years uh we we especially saw that in the upper midwest last year where, where we saw wisconsin especially yes. saw a very wet fall and so you 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 kind of combine the fact that there was a lot of leaf disease already present. Um, it kept raining and pushed guys later getting their their, their products harvested. Um, you know, so there was a lot of dry silage harvested last year and really affected the quality. Yeah, absolutely. And some guys even switched from silage to to let it stand a little bit longer and took some high moisture corn there. Right. So. One of, the, one of the things that we're adding in uh, this year is we actually are, are setting up some inoculated disease trials. Okay. Uh, so we'll, we'll have northern corn leaf blight and gray leaf spot inoculated trials. Uh, we've always been able to basically to place plots in uh, leaf disease prone areas to get, uh, get you know, an that's idea. Called, that's called Pennsylvania. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Pennsylvania, New York, we always see some more of that. Uh, and we've been able to learn a lot about the genetics that way. Uh, but adding that inoculated trial is going to give us a, a good meter of how they're performing, and uh, and it'll be a tool for the grower when they open up a hybrid guide to make a selection. Absolutely. Uh, well, our in-studio guest today is uh, is John Nadler. John Nadler uh, is from Greenleaf uh, Syngenta, 
And uh, and really, I'll, I'll just I'll just put this plug in. Um, John, we enjoy working with you. We uh, I, really and truly. And even if you don't get our jokes, even if we uh, you know we we tease you a little bit much, we we do we do enjoy working with you. So just you know, introduce yourself, kind of what you do, and uh, and those things. Yeah, Mark. So uh, first off, thanks for the opportunity. Absolutely, I, I do appreciate your jokes. Um, sometimes Kevin don't laugh, but I'll laugh just to. Just to laugh. But. Thanks. So yeah, I'm a I'm a regional account lead with Greenleaf Genetics, which means I get the opportunity to represent the traits and genetics portions of corn and soybeans to licensees such as Master's Choice. Yeah, good. So get to live in a little town just north of here in Newton, Illinois. Um, excited to be a Southern Illinoisan. So you're uh, you're speaking my language most that, of the well, time. Well, absolutely. And, and you and I have the same alma mater. We do. Absolutely. Yes. yes. Absolutely, we do. Um, go Salukis. That's right. So, and most people listening today won't even know what a Saluki no, is. Nor did they make the NCAA tournament, so they don't care. So that, yeah, no, <laughs> absolutely. So, so John, give us a, a little bit of an update of kind of where things are with Syngenta right now, and and where you see things in the industry. So, just uh, go go at it there. Yeah. So, so I'd say things are good with Syngenta. Um, you know, a hot topic that I get asked about now currently is the acquisition between Kim China and Syngenta. Uh, we expect that to close here sometime in the first half of 2017. Things are proceeding very good. Um, there's a lot of mergers and acquisitions going on right now, Mark, in the space. And I feel like as a Syngenta employee, this is, this is okay. Yeah. Um, I, I'm not worried about other sales teams being merged. Um, Right now, I get to focus on bringing the best genetics and traits to Master's Choice, and that's what I love to do. Good deal. Good deal. What What are uh, so so you were talking about? Um, you know, this these acquisitions and these mergers. Uh, what other parts of the industry do you see changing here uh, recently? Any, anything else? Yeah. So right now, I mean, the the economy is driving a lot, right? We've got three dollar and fifty, three dollar and sixty cent corn. Um, it's, it appears to be making a lot of growers think differently about how they make their buying decisions. Okay. In, in what ways? So, well, to be honest, I mean, the first question I get is, how do I drop my seed cost? Okay. Right? And, and that gets real difficult because the most important thing in raising a highly productive crop is the buying decision you make and the seed you purchase. Yep. So... Maybe not the first place that you want to cut costs. Um, there may be other portions of the business. Uh, some growers are going backwards on technology. Okay. Right? So maybe in the past when corn was six, seven bucks, they felt good about buying the best technology there was on the market. And, and when you're talking technology, are you talking about elite genetics or are you talking about Probably traits? more traits. Okay. Yeah. So they would buy the, the fully traded Easy Refuge products and... And now they're maybe willing to give up traits, okay. right, just to cut seed cost. And, and unfortunately, agronomically, that's not the best decision to make, especially in a, a winter like we've had this year, Mark, that's not been that cold. The pest pressure is going to be significant. Okay. Um, and as I think about that, gosh, we, we can't cut back on the technology or the traits that we have out there to preserve the genetics that are underneath them. And, and, and so I think that makes a good point. The, the traits are there to preserve the genetics. Correct. The, the, so we, we breed and select things for superior yield. For, for Master's Choice, we're looking at quality. We're looking at feed quality of that. And so we've got genetic potential. And the traits are there to, to basically protect that. 
Okay. Yeah, that's that's one hundred percent correct. So we we look at corn based off of genetics, and then we apply traits to preserve those genetics. Okay. Okay. Um, have you you know is there any projection, any speculation about about what the insect pressure will be this year? Have you heard any of that? Yeah. So there's there's a number of speculators, right? And so probably the best thing to do is to go back to the last five years in history. Okay. And if you look from 2012 to present, there's not one consecutive pest that has come back year on year at the same level. So the moral of the story is we don't know what you're going to have for pest pressure. Agronomically, I can't tell you what you're going to have for, for pest pressure. So we've got to do everything we can to put the technology and traits in your fields to give you the insurance policy to protect against everything. And so, so Kevin covered some of those technologies and some of those traits. Um, is there anything coming down the pipeline from Syngenta that you can that you can speak about? Yeah, probably the one that we're most excited about is AgriSure Duracade. Okay. So it's it's two modes of action on corn rootworm. Okay. And and it's the it's the first true pyramided event to to be brought to market. So it's got two modes of action, like I said, and um, so far, once we get deregulation in foreign countries, we will be pushing that product in a significant manner. Now, Kevin and I spoke about that. We're, we're, we actually have some of that in our lineup. Right. And, and because we are, we are supplying seed for guys who are feeding that, they can feed it on farm. It's, it's, and it's, it's deregulated here in the United States. Correct. You're right. And, and so we're just kind of waiting for some uh, foreign approvals for that. So we just don't want it out in the out in the open market, correct? That's correct. All yep. Right. So if it's if it's fed on farm, and and honestly, that's the best space for it, right? Because a lot of guys are high manure practice. Yeah. Right. Their pest levels can be higher, and that's the best technology they can put on that acre. Makes sense. Makes sense. Uh, anything else um, that, that coming down the pipeline? What, what about? Well, I'm going to jump off here. Yeah. What, what I've heard I've heard a lot of people um, talking about inogen for feed corn. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so what's, what's going on there? Yeah. So I think there's a lot of research currently being done. Um, no promises, but yeah. um, it does look encouraging. For, yeah. And, for and, and so, so what is it? What, what, what is it? Just a, a little kind of a, a brief 30,000 foot view. What, what is this inogen for feed? Yeah. It, it's, it's basically a, a trait with amylase in it. Okay. Right. And amylase um, through a corn ethanol plant increases efficiencies. So what, we're looking at behind the scenes now is what can that do within the gut of an animal? Sure. And so as research is showing and continuing to, to move forward, um, it's helping us build our story and what we can, what we can do in the nutritional space. So, so amylase is an enzyme for, for the guys that you may be listening and not sure what that is. Amylase is an enzyme that, that breaks down the starch molecule into shorter chained glucose molecules. And basically, that increases efficiency. If I can, in, in the ethanol plant, which is where Inogen was developed for, if I can break that starch down to those uh, simple, more simple sugars, uh, shorter chain uh, glucose sugars, then I can actually convert that to ethanol faster. It's the same thing that kind of happens uh, in our saliva, guys, or actually also in our small intestines, is that when we, when we take in a, a complex sugar, we have, we have amylase in us yep. that breaks that down yep. and allows us to utilize it uh, faster, better, in, in a way that our body can take it in and not pass it out. And so, so as they developed this for ethanol, some of the guys saw, hey, this may be a benefit to, uh, 
to, to animals. And so there's actually been some, some release studies done out of Nebraska. Yep. And, uh, and actually I've, I've encountered a few guys that are, that are actually going to plant some, uh, this year, uh, throughout the country. And so it'll be interesting to see yeah. how this really, how this really plays out. And, um, and, you know, I've seen some of the research that's been uh, published by Syngenta and, and if, and, and things, things look like this could be very promising for, for the agriculture or for the, especially for the livestock industry. Yeah. It's, it's one of those things we got to continue to look at and evolve for this space. And, you know, if we can, if we can figure out a safe path to market, we will. Absolutely. Absolutely. No. So, you know, I, I appreciate you guys looking uh, in that and, and looking at that. So I, we kind of jumped off on that a little bit. I, I want to go back to this um, aspect of guys wanting to drop their seed cost. Yep. Okay. What, what are the, what are the dangers uh, of that? You know, you know, let, let's be honest. I mean, we could, I could go, I could drive 20 miles up the road and I could go to a, a farm store and I can buy, I can buy corn for, you know, $89 a bag. Right. 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 And, and so what are, what are the dangers of doing that? And, 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 you know, maybe, maybe that's a little dramatic, but dropping seed costs in general. Well, so I'm going to walk through a real life scenario at, at a banker walk into or a, a customer walk into a banker's office and he says you need to drop your seed cost by 30 bucks an acre right and and so the banker's telling him to cut back on inputs and and unfortunately if you're not keeping his best interests in mind as a seed supplier of genetic performance pest pressures um locational fit zones whatever it may be you could you could give up significant bushels in going to a inferior product just for a cheaper price, right? And and honestly, in a three dollar and fifty three dollar and sixty cent corn market, we've got to have the most bushels ever Absolutely. to maximize our profit per acre. So that's in my opinion the last space we want to look at on cutting costs because unfortunately you can cut bushels well, and we all sell bushels. Well, and 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 you know. We, we, we sell bushels, you know, master's choice, we're, we're selling feed. And so if a guy goes to an inferior feed product just to save some cost on, on that whatever it costs per acre to plant that and, and get it in, he, he could actually not only use, lose yield and, right. and have to buy feed, but he could use quality and lose milk or meat or whatever he's doing. And so, I mean, that's a dangerous cycle for a guy to get in. Right. You know, and but I, so what are some ways? If you think through this with me, what are some ways that he that he could that he could realistically maybe cut costs there um, and still say stay safe with being able to have yield and quality and those kinds of things that he needs. So the the first thing that comes to mind is maybe look at going from an easy refuge okay. or a rib yeah. type product back to a structured refuge. Okay. So a structured refuge product can save you anywhere from. 10 to 15 bucks a bag. Um, by doing that, you're still planting superior genetics. Mm -hmm. A lot of times the exact same genetics as what you would have been in an in a easy refuge, but you've got to do the extra step of planting 20% block, right? So does it take more time? It may. Depending on your equipment, it may take more time, but you're saving significant cost per acre by doing that, not giving up genetics, not necessarily giving up technology or traits you still got the protection against the pests that you're going to need it on. Absolutely. No, that makes a lot of sense. 
Um, anything else you want to add while you're here? Anything else that you that you think that uh, that our listeners would like to know about Greenleaf or Syngenta? I, I think probably one of the most important things right now is that that Syngenta and Greenleaf is continuing to invest dollars into your business. And what I mean by that, Mark, is um, whether it's traits, whether it's genetics, whether it's seed care. I mean, a, a prime example in the seed care space, we just built a $20 million research facility in Stanton, Minnesota. Okay. Um, and, and you think seed care, why would you do that? Well, unfortunately, a lot of growers, and I'm a grower, so I can call myself this. Yeah. I look at a bag of corn and I say, yep, it's hey, treated. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Sweet corn in your wife's garden doesn't count, right? You <laughs> no, know what I mean? That doesn't no. make you a grower, I, John. I've got corn acres, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> Although I do like sweet corn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, I look at a bag of corn, I say, yep, it's treated. I don't know, necessarily know what it is. And all seed treatment is not the same. Right. Right? And this, this expansion or this investment that Syngenta has made not only is going to help us look at components that go into seed care products, but also teach us how to blend them so they stay on the on the seed where they need to. So we don't have the dust off issues. That's pretty big in the press right now. Um, that kind of commitment to me shows me that Syngenta is willing to invest in the future. And anytime we can develop more products and help your customers out, your growers out, um, that makes me feel good. So I, I'm, I'm glad to represent somebody that's willing to make that investment. Absolutely. John, we, we appreciate you stopping by today and being part of this. And uh, we, we appreciate not, not only that, but we appreciate you and, and the, the professionalism and the camaraderie yeah. and, and even the friendship that you bring uh, to, to sometimes a business that, that you know, Syngenta is a big company, but yet you put a good face on that company. Well, well, well we're not going to talk about your face. But <laughs> I got a face for radio. Yeah, so. yeah, we, yeah, we all have a face for podcasts, right? And um, but but we really appreciate that and and appreciate you for, for well, doing that. I appreciate that as well. It, and I think I think something that we forget about often is seed corn. This is a relationship business. Absolutely. Um, your growers reply on, or rely on you. Um, you rely on me to, mm -hmm. to bring the best genetics. And it's not always about price. That relationship is key because you've got your growers' best interests in mind. Absolutely. And, and I think that's, that's something for us to all keep in mind is how personal this, relation, or this business is. Absolutely. Kevin, I'm going to give you the last word as we kind of wrap this up. John's told us a little bit about what's coming down the pipeline for, um, uh, for Syngenta and everything. Anything, you know, you're, you're, you're kind of the, the, the big chief here. And, um, and so, you know, what, what's coming down the pipeline? You see the R&D stuff, you see other things. What's coming down the pipeline for Master's Choice? So when we take a look at what's happening with us uh, in our pipeline, you know, uh, we've got a lot of genetics coming. Um, we uh, we actually uh, have a, a new plant breeder on staff, and I think, I think you've had Cullen on some podcasts yeah. already. Uh, Cullen's been doing an exceptional job at pushing our our genetic program uh, even further than where it has been. Um, he's got some some really unique things coming. Uh, I'm anxious to get some of that that stuff out in larger scale. 
Uh, we're gonna we're gonna be testing testing some of his material out in several locations this year. So it'll be it'll be really my first opportunity to see a lot of it uh, in a larger scale. So uh, that's that's gonna be gonna be some big stuff coming. And we got uh, uh, got some uh, Syngenta traits uh, in intergression right now yeah. uh, on some of that that new genetic stuff. So. Uh, you're going to see a, see a lot of new genetics coming, and you're going to see some new trade offerings coming along with it. Good deal. Hey, we appreciate you guys joining us today. And uh, listeners, we appreciate you being part of this and, and hope that it's uh, kind of opened your mind and helped you understand some of the, the things about our, our business and, and our relationship with Syngenta. Hey, just a reminder, we are social. Uh, you can catch us on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, and of course, you can always get us at seedcorn.com. Thanks for joining us today.